The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. Do you want a beautiful lawn? Enter True Green, the easiest way to get a great lawn. Just water and mow, and they'll do the rest. Weed control, fertilization, aeration, and more. True Green is the official lawn care treatment provider of the PGA Tour, and they have a verified best price, which guarantees you the lowest price with no compromise on quality. You do you. Let True Green do your lawn care. Visit TrueGreen.com, T-R-U-G-R-E-E-N.com to get the best lawn at the best price with the best people. Guaranteed. Just three races left to claim that final playoff spot. Out front is Logano. Harvick has closed the gap. How many times have we seen these two guys go at it? Heard a shift right there. And Harvick shifting. Kevin Harvick said it last week. Anybody that counted them out didn't know him very well. Big run by Harvick. Here he comes, the four car on the outside. The crowd on their feet roaring. Kevin Harvick is going to win at Richmond. He goes back to back. Yeah, boys. Great job. Great job. Kevin Harvick at 46 years old will climb out as a 60-time winner in the Cup Series. Hey everybody, welcome to the post-Richmond edition of NASCAR America Motor Mouse. Dale Jarrett, Steve Vitart, myself, and the show as always is about you guys. Please call in 1-844-NASCAR-NBC. Call us in with some great questions. We'd love to, we'd love to participate with you. Uh, guys, Kevin Harvick, win number 60. Just a few weeks ago, we were like, can the guy win anymore? Can he get in the playoffs? And here we are, two wins in a row. I mean, listen, I had Richmond circled as where I thought he could win. Yeah. Um, I'm still a week later, still as baffled at Michigan as I was the day it happened and the day I left. Um, uh, and I say that only because he was second to Denny Hamlin in the spring. He drove a great race. He chased Denny Hamlin around there. I'll add that, you know, with a better pit stop in the 11 maybe he would have been second here but this was more Kevin Harvick-esque right the closer in Michigan got a little lucky with track position did it took advantage of it and congratulations he earned the win but this was a car that wasn't capable of winning in the first stage tuned on by Rodney Childers continued to drive with Kevin Harvick and you know he talked about the track coming to him and DJ and all these sound bites the simple fact is this was looked like a 46 year old managing his tires looked like a guy who had won 60 races and he methodically kind of worked with Donovan and I will add this Bell was close at the end but I'm not convinced he wasn't close because that's as far as Kevin Harvick needed to be ahead of him <laughs> he might have been driving out of that mirror a little bit and just using those tires as hard as he needed to yeah I mean this was uh, vintage Kevin Harvick I mean at his best uh, we know that uh, there are certain things that Kevin Harvick can do with a race car that maybe not everybody can. And, and you saw him, the, the pass that he made on Joey Logano was as textbook as you could do. Working, working, working. Uh, and, and Joey's one of the best at making that forward wide, as we well know. And, but Kevin Harvick worked him, worked him until he got Joey just leaning a little bit the wrong way. It's kind of like a defensive back. Uh, with with a great wide receiver. You're only going to get him for so long. And Kevin Harvick showed Logano what he wanted him to see until he was able to get 
the run that he wanted to the outside and, and make that pass. And uh, he, he becomes, not just because of, of two wins in a row, because it's easy for us to jump on and say, okay, this guy becomes one of the favorites for the championship, but just everything that you've seen them overcome and where they are right now, uh, you have to, to think that Kevin Harvick, knowing how to win championships, is a very dangerous man now. You know, I was, I was uh, struck with them last year, how far off they were and all of Stuart Haas. And then toward the end of the year, you started seeing that four car running the top five, not necessarily winning speed, but from where they were to where they got to, I was really impressed. Can they do that same thing this year, but take it to the next level and get themselves where they can win this championship? You know, I can get them into the round eight, but I have yet to see. So, so, so I believe, I know everyone tries to win every race. But these last two races have been way more important to Kevin Harvick than they were to Chase Elliott, than they were to Kyle Larson, than they were to some other guys. Now, I'm not saying they're not trying as hard as they think they can try this week at Richmond. But, Jeff, what have we said since these playoffs first created? We all thought they were given 100%, yet they all found more. So, so the only reason I say that is, I, is we should all be excited to answer that question because I don't think we know because they haven't lined up toe-to-toe with equal amount of on the line. Right, like, like yeah. it was more important for Harvick, right? But in a couple weeks, when it resets, it's the same importance to everyone. And I want to see who has more to their game. Maybe it is Kevin Harvick. Maybe he is at the top right now. But I just, I'm not ready to rule out. Now Chastain, I think, is driving hard all the time. But Chase Elliott <laughs> and some of these other guys that have the experience. I pick on Chastain, but he doesn't have the experience. Maybe on that switch. Yeah. I think Chase Elliott does. I think Kyle Larson does. I think some of these guys do have a playoff level. I, I, when I, I sat down earlier today and I wrote down, I started out to write down who I might put in, in the championship four. And the only two without putting Harvick in there that I could come with are, are Chase and Denny Hamlin. And I, I, there's nobody else that has shown me it, not even Kyle Larson. I, yesterday, uh, I, I thought that we might see someone in Kyle Larson and this team might start their more consistent running up front and uh, didn't see that from them. And, and I know there's a lot of different type tracks when we get to the playoffs, but um, I, I, I can't put him in there right now. I, I, I can only literally come up with three because I'll throw Harvick in there right at this point. Hey, and listen, I'll go even more. Right? There's 15 winners. Why are the playoffs going to be different than the regular season? Yeah. I only say that because we were kind of asked to handicap this this each week. How successful right. have you been? Because I haven't been very successful in who I thought was going to win the race. <laughs> like the variety has really thrown me a curveball. You know, the thing about Kevin Harvick is uh, Rodney Childress. I think is you know based on his comments has started to embrace this car. Started mm-hmm. to embrace the fact that this car does have opportunities for him to work his magic. They made a pit crew change a couple months ago. When they made that change, the pit crew got really good. Um, where's the weak point? Yeah. Where's the weak point? And so that's the thing that, that, that interests me. But uh, as we said, this show is about the callers. Our first caller today is Mike. Welcome to the show. Hey, Jeff, Dale, and Steve, thanks for taking my call. I was just wondering, is Kevin Harvick now a serious championship contender? Well, I'm going to say, I'm going to, we, we were just having that conversation. My, my answer is yes. I'm a simple yes uh, for a lot of reasons. Experience, want to, um, 
they got speed now. So yes, I, I, I'm I'm a hundred percent yes, a serious contender. I like like kind of like what what, DA, uh, what uh, DJ said over there. I believe that there are eight or nine that are going to make fight for that round of eight, and that round of eight is going to be breathtaking because I think it's going to be toe to toe of who. I don't think Kevin Harvick and Rodney Childers have the firepower of some, but I also think they make less mistakes than most. Yeah. Right? So that's what I think it comes yeah. down, right? Because do I think Denny Hamlin can outrun Kevin Harvick toe-to-toe most weeks? I do. Do I think Kevin Harvick and his pit crew can lose more races? I do. So, you know, what's it going to look like? Is it going to be performance or is it going to be execution? Right? And we don't know. Every playoff is different. Yeah. And I think there's one other thing that I look at and not that this can really be a factor. We don't, uh, there's only one driver, or the, the only person that knows this is Kevin Harvick, but a sense of urgency to know that this might be his only other opportunity at winning another championship and putting himself at a whole nother level. He doesn't need to be at another level to get into the Hall of Fame because he's already going to be there. It's just something you have when your career is over that, hey, you know, I won, I won two of these, and, and not a lot of people have two and, and more of them. So I think that there's really only two drivers in this whole scenario, and the other one hasn't even made the playoffs yet, and that's Martin Truex Jr., who we know is towards the end of his career because he wasn't even sure he was coming back next year. Yeah. And uh, so, But I think that that will – I think that, that little extra drive, um, you know, can always be a little bit of something. There's only one in this room that has one. I know. So that's what I was getting ready to say. <laughs> so, so, oh, Two. Frequent, I'm, I'm starting. <laughs> our frequent flyer, uh, NASCAR. How are you today? Hey, good. I want to tell you, Jeff, um, I can't say enough about the piece you did with Colby yesterday. That that was excellent. I think there might be some crew chiefs and drivers that might want to call her to get the fill, but excellent piece on that. Um, good work with that. Now, I know... We need probably a little, you talk about consistency, and I think some Penske camp a little bit more, but could is this the thing, as you said, with Ford? Is Ford finally, not just, I mean, obviously we've seen it from seven, but we talked about Ford performance. Comers and goers, could this be the right time? Could Ford as a whole be starting to figure this out, get the pieces and parts out to where Ford can finally show Toyota and Chevy, hey, we're in this battle too. Well, the results would say yes, but yeah. I have a feeling there's more to the story. I'm not ready to concede. Um, <laughs> so look, so I, I made a career out of looking at the hard truths, not the result. And the hard truth was until of a very unique situation at Michigan, the first Ford was in sixth. A distant speed gap to two Chevrolets and three Toyotas in front of them. At Richmond, great. But guess what? They were fine at Richmond in the spring. That hasn't been the problem of the track. I can look at the playoffs, and I can tell you where I think they're going to run good. I think they're going to be fine at Bristol. I think they're going to be fine at Martinsville. Those aren't their issues. It's those high-speed momentum tracks that have been Ford's issue. And the teams at Michigan bailed out the lack of overall firepower. Kevin Harvick won that race, and the two Penske Fords that finished in the top five executed to the unbelie- you know, unbelievable amount of execution to get there. I still believe if it was lined up and only a contest of speed, Ford is still a third-place car of the three manufacturers at the high-speed ones. But, hey, Toyota made big gains going to Michigan. Why can't Ford make those gains? I don't know. Maybe they'll get there. Well, we saw a little bit of that with the Toyotas at Richmond as well. And the Joe Gibbs Racing, Joe Gibbs racing drivers, uh, three of them had troubles. Let's hear what they had to say. Uh, we were looking okay, and uh, in a 
good spot just coming up through there, working our way methodically through the field with our M&M's Toyota Camry. And um, we got Chastain this week. We were his victim this week. That didn't hurt us too bad. We, we restarted back in a decent spot. Wrong side of the strategy there uh, at the end. Nothing, nothing to do really to, to flip that, but good fight all day long. Um, you know, the top 10's about what we had anyway. I figured the best we were was about a seventh. Man, that's two races in a row here at Richmond at the uh, beginning of the year. We kind of had that same strategy and barely missed fifth coming to the line, and today it was a win. But uh, definitely an eventful day. Um, Richmond has been a place that's been so good to me. Uh, very thankful for the opportunity to be at Joe Gibbs Racing, racing for the win like that. So hopefully we can carry this momentum forward. I think that last stop was four seconds or something like that too long, and we lost by uh, 3.8. So... I mean, we had the right strategy. I, I thought going along there was the right call. The, the fall-off wasn't nearly uh, what it was early in the race, and the takeoff wasn't as fast. So going along was the right play. We, we nailed it. We just uh, had a long pit stop on the last stop. So first of all, the, the phrase chastained will be used multiple times throughout the year by fans as well as drivers. This is going to be a – that's going to stick. Whether you like it or not, Ross, that's going to stick. So does Are Kyle Busch do a T-shirt now? Oh, someone's going to do it. Now, listen, if Ross is smart, he'd do his own. Yeah. At least if you're going to get the punishment, get, a little, well, get a little bit of, you know, trademark by Chastain, it's Chastain. When has – I'm just – I'm really shocked by – and when I heard this, that yesterday, too, and it, but Kyle Busch saying – we were looking okay. When has he ever been satisfied with that? I mean, he was relatively calm there uh, in saying that, but that just doesn't even seem to be right coming from him. Uh, I know that finally to break the string and, and you know, not be outside the top ten, and, and which it looked like that could very well happen when that crash happened, but it uh, uh, just doesn't seem right. Well, that's the problem is that they broke a string of not having top tens. Yeah. We're not talking about wins. We're yeah. talking about top tens, and we're talking about a guy – that has 60 wins in, in the Cup Series and a, a guy that we would expect to, to win races. But in every race, there's a turning point. And we just heard from uh, several yeah. of the drivers that were involved in this turning point. So let's dig into it, Steve. Yeah, so we have a turning point. One's a turn up and one's a turn down. And unfortunately, <laughs> they both involve Joe Gibbs Racing drivers. Let's start with the turn up. And it really is the 20 car of Christopher Bell. This is the end of stage two. Why does this matter? Look at Christopher Bell, barely inside the top 20, a lap down and nowhere near the first car one lap down. So what's the call? Stay on the racetrack. I know tires are important. I know we have 50 lap tires on, but stats would say if we're gonna get some yellows, it's gonna be at the start of stage three. So here's Bell, already four seconds back because it's old tires, but then the chastaining occurs and Chastain gets Kyle Busch. They spin around, Kasha comes out just like that. The second place finisher goes from a lap down to the lead lap. That was the call that got Christopher Bell a second place finish. That is what we call a gamble. Look where he restarts way in the back. Now a great car got him to the front, but it wouldn't have mattered because with a great car a lap down, it didn't matter. Now the turn down, you heard it, Denny Hamlin. Could he have caught Harvick? I don't know, but the fans got robbed of a great finish between Denny Hamlin and Kevin Harvick, and it all happens on this left side. These pit crews are going full out. Watch this jack man though. Right rear tire, or left rear tire goes on, grabs a handle, drop. Now look, positives? Car doesn't leave. Hand signal by the tire carriers. There's a lot of positives there. It couldn't have gone bad. The negative, you see it in the bottom left of your screen. 13 and a half second pit stop. Other guys are doing it in 10. Three and a half seconds too long. You see he comes out 14 seconds behind Kevin Harvick. He burns up his rear tires. So the turning point was a V in the road. 
Left was a good turn for Christopher mm. Bell. Right was a bad turn for Denny Hamlin. So, and that's what it looked like. And, and really, that's Joe Gibbs in general, right? I think Denny Hamlin and Christopher Bell, depending on where they land on the turning points, can have good days. I think Truex, I was more surprised he was that bad than I was Kevin Harvick was that good. And Kyle Busch, whatever they have going on with contract stuff, I don't care if he's coming back or not coming back. They need to get to get the door, the book closed before the playoffs start. Because even if it's bad news, give them the bad news and get it back to being Kyle Busch, and I think we'll see an uptick. I, you know, you mentioned Truex. I, um, man, like they just got to find some speed, and and easier said than done, right? If, if you know, it's not like that's just sitting out somewhere and you just yeah. go. I mean, you, but they've got to find some speed. If they're going to find, if they're going to work themselves, if this thing continues like it is, and they're going to work themselves into playoffs, they're going to have to be better than Blaney. DJ, I just look at it too many missed opportunities all year long because there have been tracks that they had the speed and they didn't get it done. No, uh, and there's more discord there than than just not the speed. I mean, obviously that creates a lot of other things. Uh, It creates how you might go about running and calling the race and I think that has got him a few times and, and uh, you know sometimes you're in the wrong place at the wrong time I mean he was riding around there and the 47 misses pit road and runs into him I thought for sure he was going to get a flat left rear and then that was just going to take him out but but it has it has been nothing smooth about them at all and you know they even had a period of time there to where they were listening to see was Martin Truex Jr. coming back next year. So they've had so much there. But, you know, they're, they're down to the end here now. Um, it's as, you know, I've heard rumors that, that they were a lot better. I think they did part of the tire test uh, at Watkins Glen, too, and things might have gone better there for them. But, um, and I know he's won road races before, but I don't see it. So, you know, we getting down to saying his only chance is going to be to get to get his first super speedway win uh, in a cup car um, at Daytona in a couple of weeks. Well, the, the other thing is um, Blaney's going to have an immense amount of pressure on him because if Blaney makes a mistake, Truex doesn't necessarily have to outrun him. They're close enough in points. Yeah. So you're going to Watkins Glen. There's only one way to run fast. You have to attack the racetrack. There is no other way. And then you go to Daytona. Well, <laughs> you can be minding your own business at Daytona and end up on your roof down the back straightaway. So... You know, this, there's, even though Truex and his team aren't performing like we think they should be able to, uh, this, that does not let Blaney off the hook. How do you run Watkins Glen, though? This is a head-scratcher for me. Points, 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 26 points. 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 So, if you're Ryan Blaney, so, so let's flip it. If you're Truex, in my opinion, you have to show enough speed that the 12 car has to chase you on strategy. My point is, if we all know, right, in the first stage you go, man, Truex is fast. If he gets track position, he can win this race. The crew chief of the 12 is going to see that, and he's going to call the race, in my opinion, chasing Truex. Do you pit before the end of the stage? Do you not, right? Because I can't let him win the race. But if Truex goes there and he's just mediocre, it's more than just being mediocre. You allow the 12 car at this point to say, hey, we're going to stay out, score some points in stage one. Stay, you, you just take the pressure off. It's so much easier to call the race. I'm looking at this as a crew chief standpoint. If I know the 19 doesn't show race-winning speed, I am doing what you – I'm going to be Pac-Man. I'm going to be gobbling up points in every stage. But if he comes out there and I'm like, oh, my goodness, he might be able to win, then I'm going to call a strategy to try to at least keep him from winning. Well, how about if Chris Buescher goes and has a weekend like he had at Sonoma where he was fast from the get-go and ran up front all day long? This, let's just say that he goes there and is leading the race. Do you change your strategy then? So if I'm the crew chief of the 12, I am only trying to make sure I beat Martin Trex Jr. on points. And if somebody else wins and eliminates me, then we should have won. 
and I just think we're too far in. Like, like I, how about this? I don't think you can stand on both sides of the line. Yeah. You're going to decide if you're racing everybody or if you're racing Truex. <laughs> and I would go in and I would lead the team, and I'd be okay if I was wrong. And you're right, Chris Buescher could prove me wrong, yeah. but I would tell the team, guys, we are, we are racing Martin Truex Jr. You guys just witnessed what it's like to be a crew chief and driver. Monday, we're, we're not even, we're 24 hours after the race, and we're on to, we're oh, on to yeah. Sunday. Like, that's what it has to be. Uh, James, join us. Save me, please. Hey, guys. Thanks for having me on. So um, I was just going to ask you guys, you're talking a lot about the Gibbs drivers uh, and their run-ins with Ross Chastain. Um, where do your opinions stand on that incident Sunday where, in my opinion, I could kind of saw Ross Chastain staying in the middle and giving Todd Dillon room on the inside and Kyle Busch not necessarily realizing he's there and coming down. So I wanted to know where your opinions landed on that and whether or not the Gibbs drivers are being too harsh on Chastain over the radios briefly after that. Well, so, yeah, so here's my opinion. I feel, you know, certainly uh, Ty Dillon was underneath Ross Chastain. And, but certainly Ross Chastain was into the quarterfinal of the 18th of Kyle Busch. So the problem with that Ross has is that he is in a lot of these incidences where he has not been willing to lift. Now, I will say this. On a later restart, he was four four wide in the middle, and he did lift. We didn't talk about it, but I, I... Saw a replay of it today. So that is the issue, right? When you start getting into so many incidences, even in a situation like that where what do you do? Like it wasn't like, I mean, Ty Dillon was to his left or a quarter panel. He wasn't to his door where he even could have lifted. So racing happens. Racing happens. And and three wide, they made it look normal, but three wide at Richmond is not normal. And, you know, but the, the amount of occurrences that Ross has had, that works against him for sure. Oh, there's no doubt that he has the target on. I mean, if he's even close to it, then it's been his fault if it got somebody else involved. But, I, you know, I appreciate his, his efforts. But he does have to figure things out a little bit better. As he gets into the playoffs, he's not going to want to be in this situation every single week. As far as it being the Gibbs cars, you know, if I would tell them anything, they should be running better than, than what Ross Chastain is and, and be ahead of him and not be in that situation. Uh, but um, as you point out, Richmond's a short track. Things happen on short tracks. It doesn't matter if you go to Hickory Speedway, South Boston. I don't care where you go. There's tight racing, and, and there's going to be contact sometimes. And this just happened to be another Gibbs car in that situation. We're just seeing the results of what DJ told us and you told us and Kyle told us and, and everyone's told us, which is if you put yourself in the eye of judgment enough, you're, you're going to be guilty because you just don't want to continue to go in front of the judge. I wrote the races down and what we need to go through. Richmond, we just saw it. Michigan, front stretch with Bell. Pocono, turn one with Denny. Atlanta, turn three with Denny. New Hampshire, turn four. He climbed the hill to get somebody over there that I know you mentioned. Like, so, and I'm not even saying these are all his fault, but I just listed six of the eight races that we've covered here on NBC, and he has been hit or hit somebody in all six. I didn't even get to the two road courses where <laughs> I'm not going to say anything because everyone hit everyone at Indy, so he gets a free pass. <laughs> uh, but, but that's really the point is, yeah. you know, it's a great question that James brings up here, whose it fault it is. And unfortunately, you know, Chastain is – it's easy. You know what? Bush says he got Chastain because it's the easy thing to say. But, right? Because everybody's going to be like, yep, sure you did. Everybody <laughs> in the garage is going to say, yep, you sure you did. Like, you know what? I will say one thing. I mean, Kyle Busch could say he got chastained with a win. But be very careful because that guy that chastained you, he's got two wins. 
and he might chastain his way all the way into the playoffs <laughs> or the top four of the championship. So all these drivers can have an opinion, and that's great. But I remember when you told you were told you were running too hard, and then Jeff Gordon told somebody he was running too hard. Like I'm not saying I love the way he does it, but he's won two trophies. Yep. Well, that's the way he's going to do it. <laughs> that's my I point. I don't think he's going to back off. Right. He no. has more starts in the, in the top three series than Kyle Larson. He ain't changing. <laughs> he ain't changing. So, and hey, you got to be what you got to do it the way you think you got to do it. And his owner's good with it? His yeah, owner's good with it. Roll on. Well, there are a lot of drivers in the race. Uh, a really fun race. I mean, we, we were concerned about We haven't seen great racing in Richmond. Well, we saw it this past weekend. When we come back, we're going to hear from several of them. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. Racing was great at Richmond on the track, but a scary moment on pit road for the pit crew of the 99, Daniel Suarez. Right here, you just see misjudgment by Daniel Suarez. He apologized. If there's any doubt, he tweeted that they're true athletes. Worst feeling in the world knowing he got this guy. I also want to applaud that 16 of Noah Gregson right there to realize there's a time to not race. He was trying to get into his pit box. He just stopped. He didn't know what was going on. He saw guys out there. Uh, so very heads up. I know Daniel said he made a mistake, but glad to see everyone get up and finish the pit stop. And, and great work by Noah not making it worse. Yeah, that could have been so much worse. Not, not, not a worse feeling. I had that hit my jack, man, one time and nothing worse. It is horrible. Look at the guys up on their feet going to work. Yeah. Change the tires. I mean, it's crazy. It was. It was absolutely a crazy time. But now let's go through the field presented by Emay Motors. Just normal Richmond, um, just more confusion, I feel like. So uh, I've been here and, you know, you have cars like that where it's not really driving very good, but you're moving forward. And then you'll have days where you feel like your car is driving good and you're not going anywhere uh, or, or vice versa. So it's really, this place is really strange. And just as the sun went down, um, Jack cooled off, obviously, and, and, and lost some uh, some turn on our car. And when it was hot and slick, that was probably our, our strength with the Shell Penzo Mustang. And once uh, it cooled off, we lost a turn, but we still weren't real good on the exits. And you know, overall, hey, we got a stage win, playoff point. That's something to be proud of. Just thinks when you say we led 222 laps and not the right one. The first couple runs of the race, we were so fast. We drove from 32nd all the way up into the top five. As the pace picked up when the track cooled off, our car just wasn't as good. I just I couldn't get the car to rotate like I needed to and just couldn't quite carry the speed a few of those other cars could. We need a win, um, but to still run good is, uh, is, a, is a great confidence boost. We've got two weeks to go get it done. We didn't know we were in this position yesterday and uh, didn't qualify real well and everyone worked hard and had a fantastic race car today. So um, burning the rear tires up, uh, ultimately that's on me. Uh, Wap traffic didn't do us any favors either, but ultimately just uh, got to keep the rears under a little bit better so that we can have a little better shot there to get after him for the win. Like over the car there. Still feels terrible. That's what you mean. The one car, man. I had to lift off of two because I knew he wasn't leaving enough room for the three wide. Sure enough, he didn't. And look what happened in the next corner. He's going to keep doing that until he gets some serious consequences from something. Thanks for busting your balls all day. Sorry. It's what we wanted to do better. Yeah, man. Battle. We'll stay after him. We're pretty strong first third of the race, and I thought we 
sun went down, guys picked up a little speed. Um, we got better at the end, but yeah, not, not bad stage points, um, not a bad finish. Um, you know, there's a long time, for a long time coming here, I would be pretty excited for 10th, and I'm pretty disappointed today in 10th, so. You don't want to give up any points. You're always trying to win the race. 26 points can disappear pretty quickly, right? So you just, just do all you can to, to try to stay in the game. Well, that was Through the Field, presented by eBay Motors. You can be your own pit crew with 122 million parts right at your fingertips. Get the right parts at the right prices. eBayMotors.com. Let's ride. Love having eBay on board to go through the field and hear from all those drivers. And, Jeff, we've been talking about this all year long, and the playoff picture is getting a smidge clearer. Ten drivers now locked in with either enough wins or enough points that we know that they are going to be racing for championships starting in Darlington in a few weeks in the middle. You see drivers with one win. I think Bowman, Suarez, Cindric, Briscoe, while they aren't in yellow, they're feeling pretty good about it. There's still some possibility to get eliminated, but the possibilities are dwindling. Kurt Busch, I hate to even talk about a poor man who's out with injury, but the fact is he's currently 15th, feeling okay, unless we get a couple winners. Now the right-hand side, this is anything but good. Ryan Blaney, the last one in currently, and he's in only on points without a win. And mathematically, the only driver that can catch Ryan Blaney on points is Truex. So if your driver isn't up here or he's below Mark Truex Jr., it's victory lane or bust. So I think we have to start with Blaney. Plus 26, ran pretty well. He has, I don't want to say he's hated Richmond, but I don't think he has run well and doesn't have a lot of confidence there. I saw an improvement at Richmond. He scored enough points, a place where I thought Trex was going to gain. He actually lost in the point standings. Um, so take me forward to both Watkins Glen and Daytona. Ryan Blaney, is he thinking run good, run bad, don't worry about it, do what you do? As a driver, how would you approach it? Well, you've already got him running for points a while ago in the segment one of guy. our show here. So he got no choice. I, I think that's a terrible strategy in my mind uh, as a driver, as the yeah. driver. You know, I don't want to be told that's what we're going to do. It may come to that. I just know that there's a long, long list of drivers that not only have a chance to win at Daytona, but have won at Daytona that haven't won yet this year. And when you put that there and you throw in some others that haven't even won at Daytona, but know they're going there and have that opportunity to win, I don't see how you can race for points at this point in time. So um, I, I would be doing anything and everything. Blaney is a good road racer. Um, you know, and, and maybe, maybe Watkins Glen isn't his place, but I've seen him get the job done. He had a great race, and they pulled some strategy at Indianapolis that I really liked to, to get them up there. So uh, I, I, would have him going, I would have him going for the win. Hey, so I, I'm going to jump in, though, because this is my point on one thing. This is why drivers and crew chiefs need to have these talks during the week, because if we were a team, and he just gave me that conviction on Tuesday. He could sway me to go the other way because, you know, I have my opinion, but he's the other half, right? And, and, and I would bring that up because we talk about, hey, what do you do during the week? It's nuts and bolts. This is when it's not nuts and bolts. Then it's when it's like, like, you really believe that. And if he says yes, then I'm like, okay, well, then I'm going to do it that way because I believe him because he's my driver because Ryan Blaney's a guy. So if that's Ryan Blaney's opinion, then I can be swayed, right? Why it's my job to call the race. Being on the same plan driver and crew chief perhaps is more important than anything. Well, I'd, I'd like to pull that playoff picture up one more time because let's talk about this. Let's talk about the consequences going to Watkins Glen. I think the biggest problem for Truex and Blaney is the number of people that are locked in plus the number of people that have to win to get in the playoffs means there's not many people. Alex Bowen, Suarez, Cindric, Briscoe, everybody in yellow, Amarola, Jones, Bubba Wallace, and everybody below 
points mean nothing. Yeah. So those guys are going to do everything they can to keep themselves the best track position. So that makes it so if Ryan Blaney, Martin Truex Jr., if they stay out at the end of the stages to get those points, they now are starting potentially further back than ever before on a, on a road course. So that's going to make it a very difficult decision. Going to Daytona, who knows what's going to happen? Yeah. Like it's, yeah. it's one thing to go say, hey, go get as many points as we can. Go get stage points. Well, 38 others are thinking the same thing. And so, the, I mean, at Daytona, every you know, you're going to have only a, you're going to have so many people that have something to gain, and very few that have anything to lose. It's going to make the risk factor go way up. I, I don't know how you call it. I think if you're Truex, when you go to Watkins Glen, Martin Truex Jr. wasn't long ago we were saying he was the best road racer yeah. we had. Toyota has not been good. And you mentioned they went and did that test. Unfortunately, that test was before some of the other road races. It didn't show up. Like, whatever they've been doing hasn't worked. So, I agree with you. I think Truex and this team set the stage for what Blaney does. If Truex feels like he can go knock a top five, top six, top seven, then they go chase that. If they don't have the speed, then they chase points. I, I think it just all depends on how you're running and what track position you have. And, and that's really the key, right? Because this is what I love about strategy is they have all these computers. But what everyone else does is more important sometimes than what you do. Mm-hmm. So you just have right. to get a feel. And, and the other thing about it, it's kind of like it comes to a crescendo. It's a moment. Like you're going to take four to go, and next time around it's three to go. And if you don't pit, you ain't pitting. Because like so like – it isn't this, we could talk all week, and you could talk all morning, and you could qualify, and you can run, and everything could happen, and then you have about a, you know, 50 or about a 65-second lap at Watkins Glen where you better make your decision because he's coming back around, and you're going to have to live with that decision, and that's what makes it so good. I think some of that decision is going to be all the guys in front of him, but names we haven't mentioned. Well, you did, but other names. Chris Busher, he said that he felt like he had a chance to win Indianapolis until his car was on fire. He ran great at Sonoma. Michael McDowell is having a career year. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I haven't seen winning road course speed out of McDowell yet, but if he gets track position, I'm not sure somebody can go past him. Right. Uh, the one name I will say that could be everyone's best friend, or at least Ryan Blaney's, is A.J. Allmendinger. Mm-hmm. I think he can win this race. He's ineligible for the playoffs because he runs part-time. You know, him and everyone in yellow is, is basically Blaney's best friend. He's like, hey, old buddy Joe Logano, if you could just go win, it would help <laughs> me out. Um, so it's going to, and, and I will say, also say that we're going to a racetrack that other, other than COVID, we have been going to for decades. Like, this is not new. This, this is Watkins Glen with a new car. Like, I can't wait for this track on this car because it's the super speedway road courses. Yeah. Turn one, the bus stop, and into turn seven, the biggest braking zones there is, the carousel, the runoffs. Are they still going to use the runoff? Is that going to tear the, I have a lot of questions about how you operate the car around this track in general. Yeah, I, the bus stop is, I'm hearing oh. the bus stop is going to be faster than normal with this car. It's what they're all projecting. So, hold on. I mean, if you try to carry more speed in there, I mean, good yeah. luck with that. I mean, it's, I know it's Monday and we're talking about Watkins Glen, but it, with, with this point battle, we, that's what matters. The yeah. next race is, I mean, what's yeah. done is done. What, the next race is what matters. I think the one thing that I've thought about at Watkins Land and, and the way to make speed there, and you talk about through uh, that chicane, the bus stop there, is driving straight over that, that first set of curbs that are there. How much 
can the parts and pieces withstand that every single lap if that's what you're going to do? And you talk about all the time how hard you have to drive these cars and attack to make them actually drive better. Uh, can it withstand? Because, I mean, the launch with these things, what? how much can it take uh, in, in doing that? So I just wonder about the the reliability of it, if that's what the way that you're going to make your speed. Uh, the other thing is I'm curious about the shifting off the carousel. Oh. So you, when you let a long right-hander down the hill, you got the curbs on the left side. Those curbs are like, da, 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 da. If the gearing is such that you have to shift over those curbs, yeah. that breaks some stuff. Wow. In my experience. <laughs> I'm going to sleep good. I'm a TV guy. <laughs> well, hey, listen, we got a lot of questions about Watkins Glen. we got a little bit I want to look back on at Richmond, and who better to talk to than Chris Busher? Man's had an eventful nice. year. He's been on fire once, upside down once, and close to victory lane a few times. we talk to Chris next. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. ability to literally drive a car on the edge of control that's the goal right chance to race for a championship my life insurance policy is up to date i know what i'm signing up for be a husband be a father be a race car driver to be the best it takes everything that you have Starting in September, that's going to be awesome to watch. A little behind the scene of all the chaos that happens when you're <laughs> leaving the races, going to the races, or even at the races. Uh, Chris Busher is joining us right now. Good finish. Uh, had a good opportunity to win this weekend. Thanks for joining us, Chris. Yeah, absolutely. It's uh, definitely my best go at Richmond uh, through my career. It's a place where I've um, been pretty vocal about not caring for very much. And uh, just a single season has got me changing my tone real quick here. Chris, I, I really want to talk about this season, right? So it's real pop. You know, everybody knows the story. you got Brad Keselowski joining not only as your teammate, ownership group, now RFK. Um, I know he brought a lot to the table. But in the recent weeks with the, with the Kyle Busch news and all that, he doubled down, tripled down, quadrupled down about his belief in you behind the wheel, his belief as you as their driver for the long term. Uh, what does it mean to have Brad not only just as a teammate but then as a vocal owner out there kind of pushing you and believing in you and, and trying to steer this place back where I know you know it can go. Yeah, it's been been big. Uh, I've learned so much from Brad already, but continue to feel like every week at this point. Uh, you know, to have a, a champion of our sport come in and, uh, and, and really fire off into the, the next chapter of his book on the ownership side and, uh, and the driver side of it at the same time, it's been something special to, uh, to have him around and be able to lean on him for a lot of different things. Uh, obviously, the comments as of as of late have been pretty uh, pretty positive, and um, definitely not one to pat myself on the back. But uh, I'll let him him do it for me in some ways because uh, I feel like we've made a lot of progress this season. I feel like we've had really good runs. We've had some some wild things happen, and 
we've mentioned uh, you know all kinds of, uh, of highlights of fires and flips and, and all the, the wrong things, but uh, in there, trickled in has been a lot of really good speed and a lot of really good runs with some tough luck, uh, with some some errors, and uh, and with some some room for growth. So it's nice to to be able to come to Richmond, uh, kind of put everything together, have a really solid day, and, and hit on uh, hit on all eight, and uh, come home with a, a really good run and a chance to win it. And, and we were close, just uh, just needed a little bit more, right? Yeah, it was a great run. I mean, I think you made got everybody excited there at the end when you made that run at Harvick. I mean, it just made, you know, I don't think any of us really were expecting that. I will have to say this, though. Keep out running the boss. That's always a good thing. Uh, I go back to my career a long time ago when Kel Yarber was ending his, and I raced him and passed him at Rockingham, and he signed me as his driver for 1988 the next, next week after <laughs> I passed him there. So keep doing that. You're going to be in good shape, buddy. Uh, yeah. my, my question goes to, so I'm going to get away from Richmond because we know what a great job you did there. But looking at these next two races, um, and Jeff Burton, I asked him a question this morning on our call, that maybe Watkins Land now with this car and with all the other road courses being completely different than these two, uh, Sonoma and Watkins Land, we used to think they were so different, but now they may seem a little bit more alike with the speed uh, that you have. So uh, you can tell us whether I'm off way off base here or not. Uh, and then, obviously, going to Daytona with you winning a, a duel there earlier this year, you have to be pretty excited, really, about your chances here. Yeah, we're definitely looking in the immediate future, which is the Glen, right? Uh, Daytona, we got to that point last year where we had to put our basically our entire regular season on one race and, uh, and ended up coming up just one spot short at the end and um, came back and, and uh, Jimmy Finning was, was the one to say, you know, it's just not it's not fair to put a, put an entire regular season of work and opportunity, put it all down to one race and expect that to be uh, your, your shining moment right into the playoffs. So um, that being said, we've had a year that is, is worthy of being in the playoffs this season, and I truly believe that we're uh, trying to constantly get it better and, um, and really put the results together. But um, we're looking at the Glen as a place that uh, we've had really good road course speed. And um, I guess on the, the, the good part about that is not only is it, um, you know, a place that, that we can tie in some of the different areas of these other racetracks, but also that it is a, a racetrack that we got to do the tire test at. So we, we came back and, and learned a whole lot of things from that test that, um, that we failed to, to, to figure out at, at Coda at the beginning of the year. It's the one road course of season where we just weren't, in the picture and since then we've been very fast and very uh optimistic about all of our chances and you know i look back to to indy and the fire overshadows everything but if it weren't for getting getting wiped out there in uh on lap two we uh, we'd had a chance to win that thing and i am very confident in saying that now the a car was very good there and uh, and has been at road races in general so um, we know we're going to have some some tough competition but we got we got the Glen circled way ahead of, of Daytona at this point as our chance to to get a win here and, and shake up that that playoff grid. So so Chris, your, your confidence obviously with the road course is way is through the roof. How and what have you done to, to be such a good road racer? Um, well, that's a good question. Uh, it's not my background, uh, as uh, as is the case for probably most of the drivers. Um, or just talking about a handful that definitely have. Uh, a lot of experience and speed, but I've had some good good coaches through the years. Um, 
at a road course racer from up in Wisconsin. Dick Danielson teach me a lot on the ARCA side early in my career. Um, I've had uh, Billy Johnson, who uh, uh, drove for Roush on the Grand Am Mustang side with Jack Jr. and, uh, and drove some Xfinity races at Roush. Uh, I was his interior guy for his, his handful of races back in, I guess, 2013. And um, I've been able to, to get a lot from Billy, and he continues to uh, to help teach me at those uh, those road courses. Um, we've been able to go through Ford Performance, go through some schooling uh, through as a manufacturer for all the Ford drivers. That, that has always helped. I mean, there's just um, a constant learning process, right? And it's not it's not one race or two races anymore. Uh, if we got six or seven of these things, we have to put in the effort to be better at them. And I love them. I, I enjoy road racing, and I think that helps have the right attitude going into them. Uh, I, I think that success makes you like stuff more. Just like uh, like Richmond, I, I like it a whole lot more right now after two good races. But um, I think it's just a, a matter of embracing that that is something different, and you got to have a different different mindset going into them. So uh, don't mistake what I'm saying. I don't want to go road racing every week, but the five <laughs> a year is just fine, just fine. No, listen, I, I totally agree. I think we're getting a good mix of speedways, road courses, and that kind of brings me to my question, right? So I know the playoffs are looming, and that's the storylines, but I want to talk globally because in my opinion, whether you make the playoffs or don't make the playoffs, this has been an impressive year for RFK and specifically the 17 car and what they've done. So take me kind of into the meetings, right? What is the next evolution? I know the playoffs are here, and I don't mean Watkins Glen or Daytona. I mean, when you look globally, what are the tracks you're just not as successful at as you think you should be? Is it, you know, a car concept? Is it more execution? Like, what are you guys really trying to improve on at more of like a monthly or quarterly basis? Yeah, so, you know, the playoffs are the talk right now, and uh, and we're, we're going to have to get through that. But on the, the, the broader picture is, all right, how do we improve uh, our mile-and-a-half program? Um, you know, short tracks have not necessarily been our uh, our strong suit, and they've been really, really good this year. Um, you know, before we went to Richmond the first time, if you'd asked me what tracks we really were focused on and needed to get better at, that was the one. And uh, and to come out of there and be uh, you know, get a third place finish and be contending for that win, that's that's huge for us. That's a huge step in the right direction. Um, I think what we've seen is maybe the results don't show it every week, and to the casual fan, it's probably a little bit more difficult to see. But we've had great progress the last four months. We've had speed at all kinds of different racetracks. Uh, not always the results, and um, you know that's just a, a matter of cleaning some things up. But there's also just one small step of speed that we're hunting to really be in the picture for the win every week, and uh, and that's that's where we're at right now. Is what can we do to just make that that last step? And it's it's the hardest step, right? But it's it's not a huge step for us anymore. It's just a matter of figuring out where where that goes. Um, is that in uh, in in setup evolution? Is that in car builds? Um, is that in just understanding this race car more and, and figuring out from the driver's seat what we can get away with? Uh, I don't think we quite have that answer yet, but we're we're seeing the progress and seeing what we can continuously build on. And honestly, it's probably not one answer. It's probably not one one thing that's going to get us there we've got to we got to be working on every piece of it and, and add up all those little bits to uh to make make that that final step into uh, into victory lane and I, I you know not only looking ahead to the next two weeks and you know winning our way into the playoffs but i've got a lot of confidence in our group back at rfk that, that we're going to win races this year and um and it's it's close we uh we see it maybe a little bit more um optimistically than, than some others but 
uh, I would say that that we're in the hunt and we're gonna we're gonna get one. Well, I think it's fair to say there's a lot of people that see the progress and mm-hmm. and uh, you yeah. guys are doing it and doing a great job. We're gonna all come see you this week. I want to know if it's Christopher or Chris yeah, before well, the race hey, starts. Come on, man. Yeah. <laughs> we'll talk about that on Saturday. Yeah, appreciate you joining us on NASCAR America, buddy. Thank you. Yep. Thanks for having me. Appreciate it, y'all. Enjoy the rest of the show, and uh, we'll see you in the Glen. Thanks, man. Uh, thank you, buddy. Man, he's doing a good job. He really is, and, yeah. and that team is starting to, to get where they need to be. It's good to see a Roush car running up front. Yeah. I mean, it really is good to see a Roush car running up front. When we come back, uh, I had an incredible opportunity to give a ride to a very special person, Colby. We're going to go revisit that. Uh, everybody that met her, she touched and had a great time with, and we'll revisit it. It's going to be fun. Dive into the start of summer at Whole Foods Market. Check out their summer splash event with sales on fresh organic produce, organic strawberries, and a fan favorite sale on Ben and & Jerry's and Talenti. Explore deals on grill-friendly meats like organic air-chilled chicken breast, beef and chicken kebabs, all with no antibiotics ever from our meat department. Plus, grab easy sides from prepared foods and cool off with refreshing drinks. Kick off your summer and shop in store or online at Whole Foods Market today. When you say race car, I hear the noise. I do not visualize NASCAR. For me, it's all about the sounds, the smells, the texture, the atmosphere at the racetrack. My life is no less rich, no less vivid or detailed because I don't have sight. It's just different. Jeff Burton. It's so nice to nice be here. Nice to you. How are you? Oh, I'm great. Oh my gosh, I'm be a lot of fun. thrilled to be here. Do you want to come over here and check this thing out? Sure. Can I lead you? Yeah. Come on. The screen is different. It has square holes. This is that single lug nut that you keep hearing about. Much larger than I was expecting. Oh, really? Yeah. So this is the rear window. Okay, the rear window goes all the way to there. That's the beginning of the roof. Semi, semi rectangle, okay. a little bit of rounding on the end. Yep, yep. If we're not careful, you're going to take my job because you're doing a lot better job of <laughs> it than I am. <laughs> All right, Kobe, here we go. I want you to walk me through this. I'm going to shut up and I'm going to let you talk. And everything you're feeling, smelling, hearing, I want to hear it, okay? You're going to take, you're going to take my job. You're the analyst. Okay. All right, here we go. So we're accelerating. turn this car off so we can hear each other okay to me what makes the best race car drivers is what they feel yeah. and so what you're feeling already to me is fascinating <laughs> because you have a better sense of feel the first time you ever sent a race car than most people ever will you did awesome 
That was, I don't know that there are words to describe that. That was, I will say, memorable. <laughs> You're awesome. <laughs> Can I give you a hug? That was so much fun. We're the blessed ones for having you here. I mean, I'm serious. You could teach some young drivers some things about what they're feeling. You you cannot be too detailed. Even if you just use one word that's different, you know, that can sometimes just make that light bulb go off for me. Jeff, I, so first of all, Colby, it was amazing because everything she was describing, I haven't really even got to feel. I've been looking at it with data and as a crew chief, right? And her descriptions were better than half the drivers, like her sensation of the track and how it was moving along. And you did an amazing job um, pro like providing her the opportunity to explain how she got to envision the sport, how she gets to feel the car. It was, it, I mean, the whole thing was captivating. I was lucky. I got to sneak a peek, and I watched all the time you spent where they're down in the production truck and just everything that was going on and all the conversations. It was truly breathtaking. She was, she's a superstar, and, huh. and the way she expresses herself, uh, it just, you know, paints this incredible picture. And, and what fascinated me, DJ, is that, you know, the things that we – worked a career to feel she felt immediately yeah. you know she described the difference between turn two and turn four i explained to her why off turn four you're always spinning the rear tires and she said so it's the opposite in turn two I'm like, huh. yeah well, like yeah. You know, i mean just things like that that she she could feel it and hear it and and it was it was fascinating as it was an eye-opener for me to understand uh that you know Maybe if I could have used all my senses better as a driver, I could have performed better because she was feeling things immediately that it took me a while to understand. Yeah, I, I didn't even go to the part that I could have been better as a driver. I think that what I took away from it is how much on a daily basis I can be better as a person and, and being appreciative of what we have, but then uh, exploring and expanding what, what we know with everything that we're fortunate to have. Uh, I went through a whole list of words, and you, you could use them all with incredible, amazing, and uh, just uh, so many things that could describe her. But that, that had to be, you did a great job of bringing that out, of giving her an experience that she'd never had before. Uh, but it, it just simply was amazing. It gives me chills to even think and talk about it uh, and, and see that. And, and, I mean, you literally made a, a, an impression on someone for the rest of their life there and to have that opportunity uh, just incredible well i think i think way more important she made an impression on all of yeah. us oh, like yes, when, when i did. when i came down from doing that mm -hmm. and walked through the, the tv content people were walking up to me some had tears in their mm -hmm. eyes you know out of joy yep. you know out of joy yep. that she yes. gave and wow what a what an incredible person she is well she that is. series vivid now it like yep. uh, i'm gonna have to tune in just yep. because now that I've had the chance to meet her and just experience it all, I, I can't imagine how much more the uh, series is going to go. You can yeah. find that on the NASCAR YouTube page. It's going to be a blast. So, listen, that was Richmond, uh, and that was a great thing. Let's get back to the fans. Sam, you're on Motor Mouse. Hello? Yes, sir. Go ahead. You guys are doing a fine job. I'm proud of you. Thank you. What Thank I like you. to see is why can't all the 16 guys that's running for a championship have their own race? All right, so that's a good question. Sam wants to know, listen, we've got 16 guys racing for a championship. Why can't we put them out the self? Now I'm going to answer the simple question, which is the business side, and all the drivers need to be in all the field because of all this. But it is a, a question from a true sports fan. DJ, would you be a fan if they put those 16 out there heads up? Um, you know, I, I think that 
as you because you have to go through the elimination process obviously i believe i don't think you just want one race to to be the champion with the 16 that are out there i don't think that's the the proper way to go about it so um i I love what we have to be quite honest you got you got to beat everybody to be to you know to be in the playoffs you got to beat all those other guys as well and if you finish last of those guys you might finish 30th you should get 30 place points not 16th place points Mm. i like that listen Richmond was fun. Coming up, Watkins Glen. We got a little bit more motor mouse on Wednesday, but Watkins Glen this week. Mm. The Bagman joins us. Radio yeah. style. Me and Rick will be <laughs> in the booth. The Bagman will cover the S's. Dale Jr. in the bus stop. We're going to put our man on his favorite scissor lift. It's going to be a great. <laughs> the longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand.